What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Buddies for Life, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, a subset of Hollywood Already Did It, where we look at every episode of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier and pair it like a fine wine and a good cheese to a buddy cop movie of whenever we want. <laughs> of course, I'm your host, Blake Schultz, and with me today is Jamie Jarek. Hello. And Terrence Tatum. Hello, everyone. So here we are in the second episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We are off to the races. They are in the same room together. We are full of action. We are full of quips. We are full of wonderful Marvel cameos. If you didn't get any in WandaVision, you're getting them now. And they are deep and they are great. And I love everything we're doing with it. What did you guys think of the episode? Terrence? Uh, this is probably one of my favorite things that they've done post infinity war in games look i love i love absolutely love wandavision but when a show speaks to me on a level outside of comic stuff and it starts getting into some some shit that i can relate to in this case black people shit uh <laughs> i was like whoa i did not expect i did not expect disney to allow marvel to go full in on this whole uh, race thing here but here we are um and outside of obviously the, the big spoiler with uh, a, a cameo just the whole sequence with with Bucky and Sam outside when the police show up, like just get, it still gives me I mean, my hair raises now just thinking about it. How had he been just a regular black dude and not a dude that they instantly recognized, not instantly, but soon recognized as being the Falcon? I, I don't see that situation going as well as it, it did. And and that is the life that a lot of people who look like me and Sam have to go through. Even with even with Bucky sitting there like, yo, no, we, we're fine. Nothing is happening here. Everything is a-okay. Um, just sprinkle in a little bit of that amidst all the other stuff that's happening in, 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 in the Marvel world, in the MCU world, and this show's particular just brought a big smile smile to my to my face. Uh, and then it gets even more uh, crazy when you start bringing in Bradley because that that's a whole just gray and dark area of MCU that you're like oh we're doing this too cool but overall I enjoyed the show I'm glad to see that they they, they finally got them together um, and I we get some we get some tr uh, some some truths from not so much from Sam's side from from Bucky's side that uh, I'm, I'm glad they're they're diving into Jamie um, oh, yeah. I mean, I'm so glad that they were instantly together in this episode that it just kicked off. Bucky was there because I mean, that was what the first episode was lacking. We're here for their chemistry and uh, and it's so good. Uh, but I feel like I'm being queer baited. I mean, they're rolling around in a field together. They're having touch couples therapy. Just let them kiss. Just let like, them be a couple. Like, Come on. They put their legs in between each other. Like, get closer. Get closer. I'm like, how much closer can they get? Like, I, this is a terrible therapist, but if I were her, I'd probably do the same thing. I'd, I'd probably make them Look, touch. I'd like to see these two good-looking men do something, so let's go. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Um, um, just give like, please, I think we're entering that. I think we're going to soon be getting some like gay heroes that we're gonna like, but it's, I, but we're starting off, I think, with like Eternals with um, the one character he's just married with like a family. Um, I want to see some of the friggin' heroes falling in love, uh, gay wise, gay, gaily. That's just like all I want, but that wishful thinking aside, uh, I thought the episode was really great. One thing that I was really happy about was that um, are interested in is that both the Flag Smashers and John Walker 
didn't feel like villains. And um, and and I think John Walker is going to end up getting there. I, I have theories there, but I do. What was very interesting that they really started him out. They tried to make him as sympathetic as possible. They, um, you know, uh, you know, no one's really gonna like this guy, but they made it a little harder to hate him, and I respected that. And same with the, like the flag smashers. I, it's it's hard not to see their side. Um, uh, you know, when if people from the government were snapped away five years ago and all of a sudden they're in charge again, um, you know, and they, you know, they just want unity. Uh, it's, it's, it could be a worse thing to want. So um, all of that was interesting to me. Uh, so yeah, I, I liked the second episode infinitely more than the first episode. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. I thought kind of to echo everything you both were saying that we, we're not wasting any time which is good because I don't know that we have a lot of time with the episodes we have getting into these very serious things. And I personally really like it when a show and a movie can echo what's sort of going on in the modern times and still kind of be like fun escapism. I never really felt like I was drowning in this, but I always, I, but I still was like, this is what's happening and I'm glad we're doing it. Cause it, it showed everything in such a nuanced way. I think when Jamie mentioned the flag smashers and you do look at it, it's like, well, what they're really upset about is we were done with nationalism in our politics and countries were coming together and we were unified over a tragedy, which we've seen happen in the real world. We've seen divided countries come together when terrible things happen. We didn't this year, but hey, <laughs> um, so then to kind of have them want that back makes them their own heroes. They're doing a good job of nobody just feels very generic. I've been replaying all of the old Sonic games and my, uh, you know, that was for children, but I'm replaying it as a 32 year old. And one thing I'm noticing about those, I'm like, oh, all of these villains are just like, it would be nice to have the world. I would just I, like to do some generic evil. I just want to do bad things. And Let it's like, be. Okay, <laughs> that, that works very well then. But uh, the, the cop scene with Bucky and Sam, I also really liked when he, when Isaiah calls Bucky, like, well, what do you think your people are going to do? And even that, they, man, they hit me right in the white guilt where I was like, my people, we are awful. Oh, no. Yeah, I mean, that scene I didn't really talk about, but I, that is like Bradley stuff reveal was fantastic. One, as a comic fan, but two, just to see the black. Captain America, uh, but also to know how that was done to in real life, like the Tuskegee uh, uh, situation also was giving disease to black people to just basically test it out to see how it affected, it affected them. And like, all right, cool, we'll use their blood in here. I, I have a feeling that his blood is what is making all these other super soldiers. We'll figure out how that gets there. But yeah, I feel like that's the road to why these other super soldiers are here because they were just having a field day lab riding him while he was imprisoned after coming back. But like, yeah, that's just, that, that hits, that hit hard. <laughs> that's a rough scene. I really loved Sam's reaction to not knowing that he existed. Uh, and I especially, because the thing is, Bucky still doesn't know why Sam gave away up the shield. Sam right. hasn't said it. And like, I think we know as an audience um, uh, that he, we, we, we get it, but Bucky doesn't. And, right. um, and Sam's not, willing to sh talk about it and he made a comment like that you and steve will never really understand and um and i'm and i'm really glad that they're headed in that direction and that um and i really think uh sam's gonna have his big moment 
other two. I also love that Sam's first like real question after leaving that house was like, did Steve know? Because then that would change his whole friendship and what he thought he knew Steve, if Steve was aware of this. Now he's questioning Bucky because like you didn't, you're on some, you're on some things that I, I didn't quite believe in. But I love Sam, uh, Bucky's reveal in the therapy session when he's like, if you gave up the shield and, and Steve believed in you, May, oh god maybe maybe, maybe you're wrong I got about it, maybe me you got it wrong about me i was like oh jesus bucky <laughs> well they're doing a good job with his motivation too because i think it would have been really easy to just be like the white boy messed up and instead they were like why didn't you tell anybody about this black super soldier and he was like i just didn't want anyone to bother him i just wanted this person to have peace because it's what i don't have and it's like oh well that that's great. Like it, they're doing a good job of making every choice feel motivated. Nothing really feels ancillary. Nothing even really feels like it's pointing a finger at anything, even though they are pointing so many fingers everywhere. Uh, you have kind of everything with the U S agent and his really not knowing how to act him, him kind of belittling Sam's friendship with Steve accidentally or on purpose and that turn when he finally realizes he's not going to get them on his side and has his like, well, then just stay away from me. And you're like, oh, he's he's real good at pretending to play nice, but this boy, he does not want to. He wants to do it his way. Yeah. He just thinks he knows. It's like he knows the he's got a good PR rep who's like, you got to go make good with the Avengers. And as soon as the Avengers are like, we don't want you, he's like, great, I don't want you either. Like, get the fuck out of my face. Yeah. Uh, I think it's also cool. Just I, I don't know if they're going that way, but it, clearly it's on the board with uh, Isaiah's son being there. Uh, Eli eventually becomes the Patriot, so they are. Oh, got a we're lot of Young Avengers. We're doing a Young Avengers. Show. Young Avengers. I, yeah. I don't know when. I don't know how. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know how with cameras and special effects and wires <laughs> and actors and scripts. Let Billy be gay. Who? Who's? Isn't he with? Like what? What's Hulkling? the Hulk? Yeah. Who? Who? Whose parents are Hulkling? Where does he come from? Uh, I think he might just be another, like, guy who got made. But let's. <laughs> okay, so. Oh, it's a scroll. It's, it's scroll a royalty. Hybrid. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's oh, who he is. Oh, that's cool. My hope is that that character will be introduced in She-Hulk or Secret Invasion. Um, could be both. Yeah, that would be. Yeah. It could be both. He could bring them along. But I mean, they're definitely put. I mean, Hawkeye is already getting a echo is already getting a spinoff on hawkeye so they're they're definitely putting everybody on the board that they possibly can <laughs> oh they need content apparently they don't <laughs> apple tv needs content uh but marvel's making it yeah uh but guys that was the episode I, there's so much more to talk about but we're going to talk about it through the lens of what many credit as the first buddy cop movie, even though we just did an episode on America's first literal buddy cop movie. <laughs> but I guess this one does lean, if not a lot, more into the comedy aspect of it. And it was the influence into Lethal Weapon, Bad Boys, Rush Hour. This kind of was really the glue and the fabric of our team up buddy cop genres. And it is 48 hours. Eddie Murphy's first film coming off of SNL. A star was born in this movie. And there's a lot to say about this movie, especially now in 2021, 
But man, when when Eddie Murphy gets to just be in that bar with all those cowboys and he gets to just act his pants off, you're like, and that's how best, he got Shrek. One of the best scenes I've ever, I was like, oh, this is when Eddie became, they're like, oh, this is when Eddie became a star. This is, that's, this is yeah, right here. that was it. Give him <laughs> yeah. Beverly Cop, give him Shrek 2. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It's funny when I when I first saw that movie a couple of years ago, it's because I was going through like a list of the best action comedies, and I watched it and I was like, "This is not a comedy at all." Like, yeah, Eddie Murphy has some great funny moments, but I, I would it's way grittier than it is funny. And I even watched another Forty Eight Hours, thinking that maybe that would be like a Lethal Weapon thing because Lethal Weapons, all the Lethal Weapons are so funnier. much funnier yeah. than the first one. But when I watched it today, I'm like, nope, it's pretty much the same. It's almost the same movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it- so I was a little disappointed in that aspect. I, I would have liked to have laughed more because I, I think Nick and Eddie are a great pair, um, but it but it's but gets a little too serious. Nick is a little too racist. It, like the racism in in the heat of the night, like worked a little better. It was fifteen years earlier. It was kind of the theme I, it, of the movie. I won't say earned because that sounds. It made more sense then because yeah. the timing, like the time of it, it, but this one being in the eighties and Nolte's cop working for a black uh captain the way that he was just throwing out the n-word and using like the watermelon one is the one that just threw me i was like what what are we doing right like what is this there was a very weird thing in the 80s where i feel like they started using racial slurs not to make a point or to elevate the movie but instead they were like we need to find a way for this white person to piss off this person of color and even though nothing else in the movie has made them think they would think this way, and they have friends and coworkers and relationships, what else could possibly piss somebody off? Yeah. Because when he, I noticed when he first says calls Eddie Murphy the N-word, I was like, oh, he doesn't really believe I feel like he doesn't believe this. He's just trying to get a rise out of it. He's trying to get something out of him. He didn't say it as hey, and that's and that's why a little bit, I mean, granted, you have to get through like four of them. But that's why they had that moment later when he's just like, yo, all those, the watermelon thing and the N-word thing, I, I was just being dumb. And and Eddie kind of, his character calls him out. was like, yeah, that's not an excuse. Uh, that, but I, all right, cool. I was but so happy. That yeah, that and I was like, oh, wow, that's a good call. I like that. Um, yeah, this was a weird, a weird movie though. Because outside, like, granted, Eddie was, it's his first film, but we don't see Eddie on the board for the first 30 minutes of the film. And so outside of like, you go to posters, you see all the artwork for it. Now you see it's easily Eddie and Nick Nolte basically being co-billing. But for a movie that's only an hour and a half, 30 minutes of it don't include Eddie. <laughs> which is th- which sort of plays on the first episode of, uh, of, of Falcon and Winter Soldier where we don't, they're separated. That's the kind of the, in- using this movie with this episode, I think works really well for a lot of reasons one for those who don't know it is a nick nolte eddie murphy buddy cop movie from 1982 where they basically just have to go stop crime it opens with a, a native american showing up he gets accused we're tracking down this person it is a very racially tense movie throughout the entire thing almost needlessly so because i don't feel that racism is part of it's the movie thematically not in the dna no. of the film no it's more just like care. It almost feels like they're doing it the way like Street Fighter used to make characters, where they were like, I don't know, they'll look, they'll have different skin colors, and that's how we'll tell them apart. Like, who else could they be chasing that they wouldn't recognize? Um, one of the first accredited. I think that's why, as we go through these, we're going to lean more and more into the comedy because it's certainly funnier than in the heat of the night, but 
it's still to your point, Terrence, we go 30 minutes without meeting our comedy star. And for those 30 minutes, it is a cop drama, war, like there's there's like three shootouts in that 30 minute period. You're like, what is, what is going on? What kind of film is this to be labeled as an action comedy? It should be a little bit more balanced, or you would think it would be a little bit more balanced, but you can tell in the 80s, they're like, we're going to do whatever the fuck we want. I also, if you look at like the history of SNL actors and the movies they get after SNL, this is radically different. Oh, yeah. This is nothing. Like every other SNL actor gets this like slapstick, silly, stupid movie. And I don't know if it was Eddie Murphy or Eddie Murphy's agent or somebody else, but it was like, time to get you out of SNL and make you a fucking star. We're going to we're going to turn this all the way around. It's funny. I don't know. I looked it up just because I was curious to how they work together just to see if because the racial things in the film, maybe he's like, was Nick Nolte like a dick to him or racist to him to begin with? And there was a whole story of how they, how they, the director wanted him to meet Eddie. So uh, he flew Nick Nolte out from LA to go to New York because that's where he was still shooting Saturday Night Live to go to meet him. And uh, Nick Nolte was on, was with one of his, his he, he referred to a black musician he was hanging out with and they were just hanging in. He's like, yeah, and he's like, there's a lot of, a lot of white powder that everybody was using around that time. So we were just having a good time. And he was like, uh, yo, dude, do you know this guy, the uh, uh, Eddie Murphy on Saturday Night Live? And the musician was like, yeah, yeah, he's sort of a, he's kind of, he's, he's a bass head. And Nick Nolte was like, wait, what? It's his first movie ever. And I'm, I'm here to meet a bass head. And he didn't even meet Eddie. He just went back and left. He went back to LA, never, never met. He's like, nah, I don't, I, I, I'm not working with this dude. This is his first movie. I'm not meeting a bass head. And the director called him was like, so how did you like Eddie? Did you meet him? Everything? And Nick was like, he's a base head. I don't, I don't want to work with him. And, and the director was like, I'm not flying you anywhere if you don't meet people. You, you <laughs> never met Eddie. And he was like, wait, how do you know that I, I, I clearly met Eddie? And he was like, no, Eddie's the cleanest dude. On, he doesn't do any drugs. At that point, he didn't do any drugs. He didn't do any drinking. Meet Eddie Murphy, please. And he met him. He's like, oh, the musician, his friend, thought he was talking about George Morrison, who was also on Saturday Night Live at that point, who mm. actually was and has been has, has been known as being a drug addict. He's like, he had him with the other black dude, not Eddie Murphy. And he's like, oh, my bad. And he's like, and that was my little, my, my intro to Eddie Murphy. And now we're like BFFs. Uh, but I was like, oh, that's a fun little intro to meeting somebody and, and, and coming up with ideas of who this person is without actually ever seeing who they are. A great parallel to, I just watched an interview with Anthony Mackie, who says that once a day, people come up to him on the street and think he's Don Cheadle. Like, God, that makes me want to punch a wall. Uh, (laughs) Men don't look anything alike, they're just bald. But um, but, uh, that's a frustrating full circle thing. But I do think it kind of shows you when you then do look at these movies as a parallel for the Falcon of the Winter Soldier, we didn't get a lot of comedy until these characters were together. There's a lot of action, but if you then even kind of break out how we handle their relationships and even how we handle race, I think we're seeing a much more nuanced approach. And the reality is, is as we kind of talked about last episode, I feel like almost every buddy cop movie deals with race in some way. Even in, we will eventually, I'm sure, get to Bad Boys, and that'll be one that deals with class instead. And and it does still have race. It's just, and then it's black versus brown. Because while Eddie and Will are going at it against the to two Hispanic officers, often in that they're like they're going tit for tat a lot in that. So if that's a part of it still. It's just level at a different person or a different group of people. And it's interesting when you look at the '80s, and this is an R-rated movie that came out theatrically against a Disney Plus show in 2021. So they're not going to be apples and oranges, but we aren't 
really confronting it outside of just exclaiming expletives at people and then having giving Eddie Murphy a scene to be like, I, you're still an asshole. We're, we're seeing in this movie, in this movie, in this show, systemic racism and people not recognizing people and making assumptions and the difficulties lasting for people after the things they've done. And I think it's interesting to go back and look at how once upon a time, Hollywood was just sort of like, we dealt with racism. Did it used to, with, he called them the N word. And then at the end of the film, he realized that that was a mistake. That I should not have been saying that. And that is, and that is in, I have learned. It is a very much, <laughs> much different way of handling. I mean, think about it like this, Eddie Murphy's character came from prison and the way that they sort of handle him, like, all right, we're going to put you back. It just seems very clean and a clear, like a bow tie, like, ah, then now racism is solved. Whereas in this one, we're dealing with Isaiah Bradley, who's also in the prison system. And it's like, oh, this is a very, very much a wounds are still here and we need to deal with it. And it's not like, a, it's not heavy handed. I don't feel like it's heavy handed in any form, but it's just a different way of, and a, a, a way to sort of talk about it and have some uncomfortable situations. I think that's the biggest thing, the difference between this show and then what that comedy was doing is like, when it got uncomfortable, they were like, ha ha, let's make a joke and get out of this. Whereas now we're sitting, it's like, we're uncomfortable and let's talk. Well, there's the comfortability of the, oh, Jamie, you're about to say something. Oh no, I, I was just gonna say, cause Terrence, the, the whole prison thing of it all, I think going back to 48 hours, Part of, I think part of the reason why um, Nick Nolte feels like he can talk to Eddie Murphy that way is because he was a convict. And I think that that's another, that's a huge problem. That's a huge problem. I think we all know like, like this is systemic racism. We all know that um, the prison problem, go watch the 13th if you haven't watched it, people. Like there's a huge issue with putting um, especially black men in prison and it gives people uh, an entitlement over them. And yeah. um uh, and and I think that that ha is something that is relevant to both 48 Hours and The Falcon and the Wolf. You know what's crazy, Jamie? What bothered me more than the N-word or the watermelon thing was him keep calling him boy. That mm -hmm. that felt, got under my skin more than any of the slurs that he said. Because it is that you are a, you are several classes below me, so I can I can refer to you as a, a child or a boy or or a thing as opposed to you being an equal. And he gets there eventually towards the end when he cusses out his boss in, on behalf of him. But you're kind of like... Yeah, but you've gone through a string of just some terrible things you've said to this man in the last 40 minutes. Yeah, I think there was, you talk about comfortability with the characters, and I think you also see a comfortability with the audience. And I think there was a catharsis for the white people, as I will now speak for all of us, uh, except for you bad ones. <laughs> I see you. Um that there was a weird thing in movies like 48 Hours where I think you got to kind of sit with your mistakes knowing that they weren't as bad as that. I think people who are part of the system and don't realize they're part of the system or have done things like called people boy or made light jokes can just sit there and be like, but I haven't done what Nick Nolte did when he just calls him the N-word and gets into a fight. Therefore, if he can change at the end, I don't even need to work on myself. Where now you get to Falcon and the Winter Soldier and it is the world treats Sam so differently. And Bucky is pushing him in one way. And he this bank loan scene and this cop scene and Isaiah. And I think it's making people sit with it differently. And that's where you have people being like, well, I don't know how I feel about this because it's it's not giving you the easy out that a 90 minute movie gives you. A 90 minute movie is designed to go, here is a main character and there will be a catharsis and a change at the end. And then when you leave the theater, you feel like you've gone through a catharsis and right. a change. Where I, I think better art 
is kind of more designed to be like, I've presented you with a problem and you have now realized it within yourself. Go back and reflect and get better. Yeah, I feel like that's what, I mean, it's crazy, but that's what both of these two uh, Marvel series have done so far. Like grief with so much with WandaVision, but we're doing something a little bit different here with that. You're like, yo, let's let's talk about the grimy things of, of social and, and systemic racism. Let's Let's get in it. Because when it's what's wild to people, a lot of people just don't understand is like and this happens with basketball players, musicians and all that stuff. When they take their basketball jersey off, their football jersey off, in this case, when they take their goggles and their wings off, they are just like every other black person on the planet. And even though they have saved the world time and time again, if the person doesn't recognize them, it can go horribly wrong. And, and even if they do recognize them, it can go horribly wrong. Like you're still a black dude. So no bank loan for you. Sorry. That opening scene in One Night in Miami. Um, yeah. Where that that was yes. hard to yes. watch. Yeah. Where he was like treating him so nice because he's such a star football player. He's like, player. I love you. You're great. Oh, you can't come in the end, house. Let him come in the house. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's totally like that's a yeah. Yeah, and I'm I'm glad we're you know we're seeing the evolution. I think of how we're handling these themes because we've been we've been saying the same things for years. Uh, which is also interesting. I think when you get into the we talked a little bit last week of like. The, the military propaganda, which I've, I've realized as I've sat on that conversation for a week now that I was talking about it as if it was a recruitment tool. And there is a difference between recruiting and propaganda and the advertising and making it. So I learned something that week. Um, <laughs> but it's interesting to now see a Marvel show just straight up do it. <laughs> like what we're doing with, with uh, the US agent and having him just be on this this 90s to 2000s poster with the sideways Nike font and the little US, the, the, the US Army logos at the bottom. They had to spend money to make this organization look stupid. So whatever. But, um, but to keep in mind though, that the government still approved this. This is still, yeah. the worst, the, they're still approving how bad they can look. Um, so it's never going to get so bad. Um, and, and I'm sure in the end, it's going to come down to like one or two people. It's never the whole right. organization. It's just like one bad dude, like Hayward and sword swords different. Cause not real. It's fictional. Uh, that's why I think sword and shield exists because they, it's easier to make all. them all Nazis uh, right. secretly. It's also easier to make military bad when you have your own weird military organization like a lot of these things exist in fiction so that they can do things like make a story where the military or the cops are bad but then they have their own and it's right. like well because superhero stories are inherently messy it's really kind of hard i think to even be like batman is the good guy all the time so it's like, well, you need bad cops and bad military and you need all of these things on the board to be like, he's doing the right thing. To make your gray area person seem like they are more on the good. But yeah. man, those, I feel like I could do a whole essay on those posters of him that are in that gym. Just that, that was so spot on to how all those dumb, like high school things looked, this bubble fun font oh, yeah. and this interview of, oh, well, you know, I'm not Stark or Banner. So, well, you're not saying Steve Rogers. Like you, I want to meet his PR person in the show because he's got <laughs> somebody who's like, don't say the word Steve. Yeah. Don't say the word Rogers. Say you're not like Tony. Say you're not like Banner. And we'll show them the footage of you throwing the shield. I had the exact same thought and then was surprised because in the end of that interview, he does 
bring up Steve because I had this I was like whoa he's PRing it right now um so I, I thought it was interesting that he ended up eventually bringing him up but I think you're right I think he was coached to, to, at best yeah. to not if he can avoid it I want to I want to meet that person there's somebody <laughs> there who's like really good at this like the the PR person on um the boys of like I wonder I want to see that person I want to well, see that's that what's is. interesting we're now getting this like you know coke zero version of the boys where it's like we're dealing with some of the themes and ideas on our new hero kind of being slimy but we're not going like full, full into it Homelander. yeah uh but I, I i love it i love it now watching it because it's also you know you get this weird contradictory dichotomy in i think both sam and bucky's character of like sam still works for the air force and is getting freelance work and was in war and bucky is obviously the winner soldier so like, how how do they wrestle with this icon when, uh, I mean, they were playing, the high school is playing a jazzed up version of the song that Steve is dancing to. So this isn't even the first time in Marvel's own history that they've used this character as propaganda. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, and I'm, I'm now asking the show to do a lot. I am now asking this five or six episodes. I'm hearing both. I think five though. Six. 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 Six? Yeah. Okay. I'm hearing both, but I'll believe both of you over these other fools that are texting <laughs> me. Um, I'm now asking it to like deal with race, to deal with superheroes in therapy, for Bucky and Sam to smooch. I'm asking to introduce a lot of characters. I still want to know what Zemo and Sharon are doing. I, like I shouldn't be right. adding deal with America militarization and propaganda <laughs> and wrestling with your own. I'm now asking the fun action show to do a lot of heavy I, I want you to do everything, please. <laughs> In yeah. four more episodes. You, got, I right, so you have four episodes to do it. <laughs> and I want them to be perfect. <laughs> Uh, but it's also, I think, interesting when you look at 48 hours of balancing the action and the comedy. Because 48 hours... I guess it kind of did it for the 80s. If, you, if you're if you into that kind of humor, they had a lot of those weird jokes that I'm like, this would have been funny, I guess. Like the first big joke is Eddie Murphy asking about, you know, Nick Nolte's sex life and yeah. being Eddie, but- Yeah, it's real sexist. I say um, a lot of the comedy oddly comes out of <laughs> Eddie's desire to have sex uh is a, is a big comedy and he the, the 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 many slurs that he uses uses for that term which i'm not repeating and then uh and there's a lot of just like oddly placed like women naked or half naked in gunfights and i was like i don't i don't know why i okay sure this happens once at the beginning and then it happens again for absolutely no reason like that woman could easily have a shirt on other than the fact that he's like hey it's funny if the if a woman's half naked and we're having a gunfight around them. And I was like, it's not though. <laughs> I can't believe that in that, like Eddie's a good looking guy, but I don't know if he's good looking enough to walk up to a woman in a bar and say, we're going across the street right now. I have 10 minutes to have sex with you. And then she actually went with him. And then she eventually, eventually. does it. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, she was going to leave, but then he got distracted by the drama of it all. But then like at the end of the movie, she has sex with him. And then he gives her money and she's like, I'm not a pro, I told you. And he's like, no, no, just keep it. Just buy yourself something. Buy yourself something nice. She's like, what? <laughs> no! Yeah, I think, uh, I think that's what comedy was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it's weird. It is weird. I, I, the Comedy came out of a lot of sex and sexist jokes or... In this case, the whole Confederate. I mean, and again, that scene I think is what sells this movie. But the Confederate 
bar is where Eddie just has a, a ball. Like he goes in full ball. That I mean, that's great. That yeah, yeah. That, that whole scene is awesome. That's the yeah. movie. That's the ticket price. It is. But it's interesting then when you get to Falcon and the Winter Soldier and it's just like, this is just Marvel's bread and butter. It just, none of the comedy punches down. It's all just like silly banter and observational and of the time, the whole like, oh, I know Gandalf. I read The Hobbit when it came out. Like they just figure out the oddities of these characters and then make it funny. It's weird. I think the comedy in the, in the, um, in the therapy session felt a little over the top or forced a little bit just because they were just coming off of a pretty dour situation after being arrested for what they were arrested for to end up here. It just did, it seemed a little forced. Whereas I think the comedy where they were actually in the field fighting and that the tit for tat there felt more natural and for, felt more like what. Well, and it doesn't help that do. their therapist is bad. <laughs> Correct. Like it, <laughs> This, this is a terrible therapist. She is the worst. Although something somebody, my roommate pointed out to me was that he asks what that second rule is, don't hurt anybody. And he does not attack anybody on the truck. He just kind of lets himself get caught and plays defense the whole time. And I'm like, oh, this is very interesting to kind of see Bucky yeah. trying to uphold all three of these even here. Yeah. Because they could have killed. I also, for a minute, thought we were just going to kill the U.S. agent. I was like, I "Oh, he's going to, he's going to be a red herring and just get tossed I off." I thought we were about truck. to do a Deadpool two type of situation. He just drops on the truck and then gets murdered. I was like, "Oh, here we go." I <laughs> mean, Cap and Bucky are getting that shield back. We know it from the trailer. Because we've and seen the trailer. It's right. got to be like a part of me is like, just make it the next episode. I want at least two episodes of them wielding this shield. Yeah, I don't I need... want it to be the end. Right. I need, I mean, we're going to get obviously Zemo on the board soon. We got to do that soon too. And I imagine that they probably have to go through Sharon to get to him. So I hope. Well, they're going to meet him, right? Right. Yeah. Like that's going to be our, we're going to Hannibal Lecter Zemo, which a part of me is like, oh yeah, this always works. Let's go talk to the guy behind glass. (laughs) Done. He's going to get out. We we could have paired up this movie with Hollywood movies where they talk to the villain Silence of the Lamb style and had just (laughs) as much content. There are a million things we could have done. This is where we landed. I was tired. It was easy. Um, I think that's it, guys. I I think we nailed it. (laughs) Unless you have more. No, no. I I know there have been a lot of folks who who have had some issues saying that this show, this episode might have gotten a little too political. And to you, I say, kick rocks. Well, we're (laughs) now at a point where it's like, I know there's a group of people who are like well the comics were never political and it's like well we've just introduced a character from a 2004 i think run called red white and black about the tuskegee project so i think i think your argument has lost its weight (laughs) i think any weight that it had which was not much because (laughs) superman and the x-men have existed this entire time is now completely gone yeah also, yeah. I, I think it's annoying where, um, like I said last week, like when things get really like serious, like real world serious, I get, I don't love that because I, I'm, I'm here for total escapism, but I also recognize the difference between my taste and something being fucking good. 
and like people who are like this isn't good because it's political are like I don't they're dumb know, dumb is the word they're <laughs> stupid um and like you can recognize when something's not your taste and when something's bad and i think that like that's the problem with the internet people really struggle to understand the difference yeah yeah, I'm really getting getting tired of that old internet. But if you're not getting tired of the internet, you can leave us a review on our podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. You can leave us a comment on our YouTube channel where you already are, so you already know that the Hollywood Already Did It channel has trailer reviews, other reviews, reactions, and videos that Terrence does. We, of course, do another podcast, You Can't Do That Anymore, where we talk about old movies that may or may not have aged well in 2021. Jamie, of course, writes for comicbook.com and buzzfeed.com. And I, of course, also do How Do You Figure about action figure and toy collecting. And I know what you're thinking. That'll be a safe place where there aren't any politics. Well, you'd be wrong, sir. Uh, not that it's very political. I just felt like making that joke. I'm at, as always, Blake. Terrence is at Terrence Tatum. Jamie is at Jamie Cinematics. And the show is at Hollywood ADI. And we will see everybody next week. <laughs>